Father, thank you for this day that you give to us to come away from our wilderness journey, to be refreshed in the oasis of your Sabbath day, your Lord's day in which we rest as an extension of that rest that Christ Jesus has purchased for us. Uh, Both for our covenant children now, we pray that they would know and grow in that rest and that we Adults who are studying your word would do the same. In Christ's name, amen. So we're going through Dietrich Bonhoeffer's Cost of Discipleship, and last week we looked at his chapter on retribution. You have heard it said, an eye for an eye, but I say to you, a tooth for a tooth. And we kind of left it with the question of how does a man... move from a position of absolute pacifism to engaging in military resistance and never believe that he has changed his mind or changed his opinion or his theology? How does that shift take place? And so here is what is at the heart of that shift. But I want to introduce this lesson. I want us to look at this topic through the lens of two questions. The first is, the question that I opened with, how do we go from pacifism to resistance And particularly as obedience to the word. How do we make that shift from pacifism to resistance as an expression of our obedience to the word? Now let me ask a second question which I think drills down a little bit more personally so that this isn't just an interesting Sunday school lesson about some guy that lived a hundred years ago. But secondly, the second question is, how does one person, or let me rephrase it a different way, how do two people read the same Bible and have completely different responses. How do, how do two different people read the same Bible and one person is absolutely bored? One person says this was incomprehensible mumbo-jumbo, Touch not the emission from the if and the that and the thusly then shalt thou. And, and you look at this and you go, what is this stuff? What am I doing? Why am I even reading this? And another person reads the exact same passage and walks away saying, this transformed how I view my day. This transformed how I view myself, the world around me 
this passage really spoke to me. How do we come up with two completely different reactions to the exact same word? And the answer, we all know in our heads, is that the Holy Spirit makes us alive. And He does so sovereignly. He makes one person alive to the Word. He makes another person, He he does not. He passes over another person. But even to get closer to that, is this not the experience in the Christian life? Are there times that you... Personally, a follower of Jesus Christ, sit down to his word, to his Bible, and walk away from it going, this is kind of a chore. (laughs) And particularly, if you are reading through the Bible with us in the back of your bulletin inserts, you'll note that some of the passages in there are passages that at the end of the chapter, you're kind of going, what was that? How do we have such completely different reactions? And the answer, and this gets us into the second, or the, the answer to both questions. How does Bonhoeffer move from an absolute pacifist position to engagement in the resistance? And how do two people read the same Bible and have two completely opposite reactions to it? And the answer is, in this question, of the encounter with the Word. When you encounter the Word of God, are you doing something different than when you encounter a Stephen King novel? Is there something inherently different about encountering God's Word than there is encountering great American political speeches of the founding era. Yeah. (laughs) There's something different. Now, sometimes in our own hearts, there isn't. Sometimes in our own hearts, we walk away from this feeling really, really dry, like we just chewed on sawdust for a good 20 minutes. But there is an encounter that happens here in the Word of God. And so, read for me, somebody, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 10 through 17.
So here's the core point. Here is the absolute foundational point that we need to address in order to address both of these questions. How does Bonhoeffer have this encounter with the word, which in 1937 says evil must not be resisted? And in 1939, he joins the German resistance. How does Bonhoeffer move from A to Z without believing that he's moved at all? And the flip side of that is how do two people read this same book and have such polar opposite reactions? The answer is in the encounter, but also it's in the encounter with the Word. Because we've already said that we're all going to agree there's something different about 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 10 through 17 than there is the shining chapter 2, paragraph 1. Which I have no idea what that is, by the way. I'm not making it. <laughs> but we agree there's something fundamentally different. We agree there's something fundamentally different between Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount, and the history of the American founding fathers and their thought of personal liberty versus, I don't whatever. You know, we, we agree there's something deeply different. This is not just another philosophy text. This isn't Jordan Peterson's 12 Rules for Living. This is, as much as we try to make it into stuff like that, as much as we try to twist God's Word into 10 steps to a better marriage, or 10 steps to better child rearing, or 10 steps to personal fulfillment and growth, as much as we manipulate this thing and dirty it, I think true believers understand there's an encounter here. There's something that happens here in God's Word that doesn't happen anywhere else. There's something about this moment, this time, this encounter that is absolutely unique in my life, in my experience. And that encounter that we all agree on, that's a powerful encounter. The question then becomes, what is the word that we encounter? And if you can understand that, <laughs> if you can get where, what, why the point is so important there, you'll understand not just how Dietrich Bonhoeffer makes his shift. But you'll understand a lot of stuff anytime someone tells you, you know, the Holy Spirit led me to do this. And you're going, yeah, no, he didn't. What, what you did was not right. Well, the Holy Spirit gave me a piece about it. Uh, there, there's a particular cult that moves around and that has uh, engaged uh, with a number of our young people 
uh, over the years that I've been here. And one of the common refrains is just listen to you, the inner testimony of the Spirit. Uh, the Spirit will, will reveal to you that these things that I'm saying are true. Just listen to your inner testimony. The question, not just for this particular cult, the question not for brothers and sisters that have, that I've encountered many times, over the many years of my Christian experience. The question is this. What is the word? What is God's word? Because we know it's more than just the pages on the tack, on the paper. Because one person encounters the word and the other person doesn't. Now, I'm, I'm saying that provocatively. Uh, any online heresy hunters, stick with me. We'll get to the end and I'll be orthodox. But the question is, what? What is the word? In what way do we encounter God in his word? Is the person who reads the Bible and walks away bored, is that person encountering God? Is the person who reads the Bible and walks away blessed, is that person encountering God? <laughs> So we recognize that this encounter with God and the encounter with God's word is not a mechanical, if you read these ten verses, you will encounter God in his word. We, re we recognize that there's something more, some spiritual dimension when we encounter God in his word. And the neo-Orthodox guys really center on this. What the neo-Orthodox guys, helpfully abbreviated N-O, <laughs> what the, what the neo-Orthodox guys, but, but if you're, if you're tracking with me, if you're tracking with me, I hope you understand this is, this goes to a lot of charismatic stuff. This goes to a lot of Pentecostal stuff. This goes, frankly, to a lot of broad evangelical stuff. All this stuff about the Holy Spirit led me and I got a peace in my heart and, and God just spoke to me and all these things. Huh? Is that? Oh. Oh, no, that was my phone. <laughs> I'm the guy who's always... Please silence your phones. <laughs> At least it was some hymn thing. <laughs> could, could have been really embarrassing. <laughs> At any rate. So the neo-Orthodox guys say that the words on the page, they're just words. They're just printed words. That's all this is. 
They're just printed words on a page. And if you're going to encounter God, you've got to encounter Him maybe through these words, but maybe not necessarily through these words. The encounter with God, these words are helpful. They help us encounter God. But you and I can just as easily encounter God when we are sitting by a lakeside and observing the beauty of the light as it casts its shadows across the ripples and we think of the beauty of creation and how every pebble thrown into a pond brings ripples and has effects on every other thing. That is more insightful than if you sit here right now bored. So which one was the encounter with God? And that's where we get weird. (laughs) That's the moment at which we start getting really, really weird. And it's not just neo-orthodoxy that's the problem. It's a whole range of stuff. Is the word... When I say the word, is that exactly the same thing as scripture or the Bible or whatever else? When I say the word, listen to the word of God, I'm saying listen to his scripture. It's in his scripture that you hear his word. But it's not enough just to logically take in the word. There must also be an encounter with that word. It's a both and. And for the neo-Orthodox guys, they say, no, the words, the words are a tool. The, The passages in the scriptures are are a tool that you and I use to encounter God. They're a helpful tool, they're the best tool, but they're not the only tool. And, And so in order to make this case, they say, you know, cite some scriptural examples, in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4. Does anybody happen to know that off the top of their heads, or somebody want to look at it and read it? It's a common refrain for all Old Testament prophets. Jeremiah 1.4. The word of the Lord came to me saying, does that mean that God dropped the book of Jeremiah into Jeremiah's lap? The word of God that came to Jeremiah was something other than the book of Jeremiah. It was a prophetic utterance. It produced the book of Jeremiah. But it was not the book of Jeremiah. The word of God that came to Jeremiah was that encounter that Jeremiah had with God. And the book of Jeremiah is a testament to the word of God coming to Jeremiah. You see the distinction? To go further, someone read Exodus chapter 34, verses 27 and 28. Exodus 
So, are the Ten Commandments the covenant that God makes, or are the Ten Commandments the record of the covenant that God makes? A testimony to the covenant. These commands stand as a testimony to the covenant that I have made with you. And repeatedly, if you'll remember, God says, I'm doing this, this whole exodus, this redemption, deliverance, and all that, not because of the Ten Commandments. I'm doing it because of the promise I made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, which accompanied no written word. (laughs) It was Moses who wrote those narratives. So when the word of God comes, it's an encounter with the divine. It's an encounter with God himself. But here is where I want you to draw the distinction. Because hopefully, if you're tracking with me, you're 98% of the way there to saying, woohoo, God gave me a word. I'm going to go jump off a building and flap my arms and fly around sterling like a free bird. Uh, What is the word of God, and is the word of God coextensive? Is it scripture? Does the word equal scripture? Bonhoeffer will say, absolutely not. It overlaps, but it is not limited to at all. But now here's where I think this whole movement falls to pieces. Could someone read for me 2 Samuel chapter 12 and verse 9? So Samuel confronts David, and he specifically says, Why did you despise the word of the Lord? And then he gives an example of how David despised the word of the Lord. He killed Uriah the Hittite, and he took Uriah's wife to be his own. Where would David have ever encountered that word? In the Ten Commandments, in the Pentateuch, in God's Scripture. So Samuel, this is the point that I'm trying to drive home. Samuel says the Scripture is the Word. You disobeyed the Word of the Lord when you disobeyed the Scripture. I'm sure David had a piece about it at the time. (laughs) I'm sure David felt the affirmation of whatever. It wasn't the Holy Spirit. Uh, But I'm sure David felt like this was the right decision at the right time for the right reasons, and this was what was good for the nation and the messianic kingship and everything that David... And he was dead wrong. 
And he was called out in it not by some inner testimony, not by God appearing in a vision. He was called out in it by the man of God pointing him back to God's word and saying this, pointing him back to God's scripture and saying this is the word of the Lord that you disobeyed. And that understanding is the absolute difference. If we absolutely camp on that as our core principle, you cannot separate the Word of God from the inscripturated Word of God. The two are identical. There is no other Word from God. This Word is the sufficient Word from God. If we absolutely are grounded in this absolute identification of the Word with the Scripture, it is going to have a lot of impact, a lot of ramifications, and a lot of things. But to circle back, because I'm pretty confident we're at the end. Yep. (laughs) To circle back to my opening question. How is it that two people can read the same verses and have two totally different reactions? And I asked the question, it was a trick question. I asked the question, did the one who walked away bored encounter God in his word? Yeah, he did. He encountered him to damnation. God's word will always accomplish that purpose for which it goes forth. And to sit under the word of God means that you and I are going to be changed. It's not an option. You can sit there on your telephone and play Candy Crush. You can sit there on your telephone and scroll Facebook. You can give me every indication that you want that what I have to say is the most boring nonsense and you can't wait for this to be over with. Don't you think for one second that you've not been transformed by that word. You have been hardened underneath it. You have learned just an ounce at a time, a little bit at a time, how to build up those calluses so that you can say this is meaningful for you but not me. This is important to my parents, but not me. This is important to those people, but not me. These are weird Christians who worship in a weird way. I like a different worship service, so I'm just going to sit here and just endure because I have to be here. Every single time you and I encounter God's word, we encounter God. And we encounter it either to hardening or to softening. We encounter it either to rebellion or to submission. And when Paul tells Timothy that the scripture is God-breathed and is useful for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, he can just as easily go on to say, and it is useful for reproving for dumbing down, for the one who is deaf, stopping that ear up even further, for the one who is hardened, hardening that heart even further. That's one thing I appreciate about the neo-Orthodox guys, 
is they do understand that the encounter is real. The encounter with God is the most powerful experience that you and I ever will have. It is what we were created for. We were created to encounter God. We were created to dwell in God's presence. And that weekly encounter with God is changing us. It is shaping us. The neo-Orthodox guys helped me to see that more vividly. But the solution, and this is my last point because I had the watch signal a while back. And maybe, maybe we'll do a whole nother one on this. But probably not. Where I think we can draw the truth from these two ditches. I think the neo-Orthodox guys are in a ditch because they see the importance of the encounter, but they don't see the inscriptured word. The other side may be very well versed in the word and all the jots and tittles and all the nuances of it and have absolutely no sense of the overwhelming awe of the encounter with God. Uh, this word is interesting. This word explains things. This word is laid out this way, that way, the other way. You need to understand this preposition in order to understand this word. Hallelujah, let's go home. Uh, and, and so for a lot of us, our knowledge can be intellectual as a way of hardening our hearts. For a lot of us, our knowledge can be entirely experimental or experiential as, as a way of just willfully being uninformed. Uh, in our in our Christian journey. But I think the sweet spot is what is known as experimental Calvinism. Uh, this is something that the Puritans were known for. It is also something that I hope you see modeled uh, in the preaching, the teaching, and hopefully the shepherding, uh, is, is trying to live out the truths of this word, uh, trying to do our best to just walk in the light of the word, recognizing that this is God. Who, who is revealing himself and revealing us and, and shaping us through it. So with that, I'm over time. But I thought this is an important point because uh, I do think a lot of people rightly look at Bonhoeffer and say, wow, what a great man, what a great person. And I agree, he was a great guy. And he shows me things about God's word that I really appreciate. But when he says God's word and I say God's word, we have two different things in mind. <laughs> and I think na nailing that thing down is, is how we can glean the good and winnow out the bat. So let me close in prayer and we'll go into our time of fellowship. Father, we do thank you for this word, this word that is given to us in the pages of your scripture, this word that we are made alive to by your spirit, this word in which we are nourished. These are the green pastures and the still waters. And Father, help us to be lovers of your word. For in your word, we see you, we see our Savior. We're made alive by your spirit. Uh, nurture us in that, we pray in Christ's name.